Fellowship. Enjoyed the opportunity to be there. Let's take our Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy chapter number 4. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. And uh, we're going to uh, be brief. I only have 48 points this afternoon, Miss Linda. I only had two till Miss Linda said she had to get home early, and then I added a bunch to it. So, uh, no, I will be brief. We don't have that many points. Uh, but uh, I do know that there's some weather coming in, and some of you may need to get home and make sure you got uh, the hatches battened down before it gets here. But um, it's been a great day today. I've enjoyed it, enjoyed the fellowship, and uh, we thank the Lord for it. First Timothy chapter number 4, and uh, we're going to uh, begin and read, we're just going to read one verse of Scripture, which would be in verse number 14. And uh, Paul, once again, talking uh, to Timothy, writing to Timothy, he says, uh, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers, in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Father, we pray that you'll bless uh, the message this afternoon. May you use it to help us in some areas in our lives. And Father, we long to uh, be able to point men to you. That's our heart's desire to lift you up and help people to see you and know who you are, to know that you love them and that you came to die on a cross for their sins, to pay their sin debt for them. And, uh, Lord, we ask that you would help us to be diligent in the labor and the work of taking this wonderful message to those that need to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul is speaking here to Timothy. Again, as I mentioned earlier in the service at 11 o'clock, more than likely, Timothy is not uh, youthful in the sense that he's a teenage young man, but uh, probably I would say midlife or so, uh, depending on how you look life. Uh, look at life. The older I get, the more midlife I guess I think I am. But uh, Timothy, more than likely, is somewhere around 40 years of age, maybe late 30s, somewhere in that range. And again, Paul's writing him a letter to try to encourage him in some things and instruct him. And uh, one of the things that he tells Timothy is, uh, to be an example of the believers. I want to focus in on that thought this afternoon of being an example of the believers. What exactly is meant by being an example of the believers? It's interesting to me that uh, the Bible teaches that Christ left us an example that we should follow in His steps. And so the great example of Scripture, obviously, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote uh, so many of our books in the Bible... Uh, was the only author that God gave permission under inspiration of the Holy Spirit to instruct people to be followers of Him as He was of Christ. And so Paul was an example. And so he's teaching Timothy. He says, Timothy, not only is the Lord our example, not only should, uh, should I be living in a way that I'm able to be an example to others, but he says, I want to exhort you, Timothy, that you also be an example, uh, not just to a lost and a dying world, but he tells Timothy to be an example of the believers. An example of the believers. Now, he gives several things here. We're going to look at those, and then keep your Bibles handy. And I'm going to give you some more that the Bible tells us about. Some areas that I believe we ought to be examples uh, of the believers in. Um, I, we oftentimes uh, watch as young people uh, say, well, when I get older, I'll serve the Lord, or uh, I'll be like uh, you know those Christians that I see at church. But the truth is, uh, we ought, as older folks, we ought to be looking at the youth in our church and younger folks in our church and saying, I wish I could be a Christian like them. And uh, I want to encourage each of us to strive 
to be an example of the believers to one another. I believe it helps us to edify and to encourage each other to live in a way that is honoring to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's take a look here, if you will, in verse number 12. As Paul gives several areas that we are to be examples in. He says, be an example of the believers in word, that is, in the things that we say. And uh, I want us to take a few moments here, if you will, and hold your Bibles. We're going to look at each of these uh, closely. Uh, but let's uh, hold your place here. We're going to come back to it. Turn with me to Colossians chapter number 4. Colossians chapter number 4. We're living in a time where, to be honest with you, um, we could use a little bit of grace when it comes to our speech. Even among God's people, there are times that it's not so much even what we say as much as it is how we go about saying it. And uh, how hurtful sometimes we can be if we're not careful with our words. Look with me in Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 6. Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 6. Paul writes to the church at Colossae, he says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Uh, it's not so much in the substance of what we're saying, but in how we're going about saying it. And he tells them this, he says, Let your speech be always with grace. What is grace? What is grace? It's getting something that we don't deserve, right? Undeserved favor. Can I tell you that our speech, being seasoned with grace, means that we ought to be speaking in such a way that we are building up and encouraging and edifying people, whether they deserve it or not, especially when it comes to believers. The Bible teaches us that this world is hard enough and, and crit critical enough of Christians and our belief and our stand for the things of the Lord without other Christians being critical of each other. And the fact that there's a lot of times... Uh, things that are being said. We live in a day where it is easy to sit behind a computer screen and to type something that you would probably never say to somebody if you were standing face to face and eyeball to eyeball with them. And uh, we're living in a time where this can become a problem among Christian people. Uh, we used to call it gossip. Now we call it sharing. Sounds better, <laughs> but it, it's still nothing more than gossip. Uh, we, we were from down south. And uh, we used to cut up and joke around down there a little bit. And we used to say, you know, you can say anything you want to about somebody as long as you follow it with bless their heart. And uh, like I could say, Brother Tom, you know, he's got a crooked mustache, bless his heart, you know. And I could be critical of him and say, bless your heart, and I'd be okay with that. But the truth of the matter is, we've got to be careful that we speak in such a way that we are graceful with our speech. That we are giving grace in it. Uh, that we're very kind. Paul tells Timothy, he says, you need to be an example of the believers in this area. You need to be the kind of person that when you speak, others look at you and say, I wish I could speak like him. With kindness. We find in Colossians that it ought to be seasoned with grace. Let's look in James chapter number 3. James chapter number 3. Look with me, we'll begin reading in verse number 6. James chapter 3, and verse number 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed by mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison." 
Not only should we have a tongue or a speech that is seasoned with grace, but we need to have a tongue that is under control. We need to have words that are under control. Years ago, I heard somebody say this, that there are three rules we ought to ask ourselves when we're speaking. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? If it matches all three of those, then go ahead and say it. But there are times that things need to be left unsaid. We need to be careful of this. And we need to be an example in this area. Our tongue needs to be under control. Uh, any of you ever know somebody that speaks without thinking? Any of you ever do speak without thinking? That ought to be all of us. Any of you ever put your foot in your mouth? Been there before. It's easy to get it in there. It's really, really hard to get it out, isn't it? Kindness. Under control. Look with me also in Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. In Ephesians chapter number 4, and verse number 29. Ephesians chapter number 4, and verse number 29. Paul writes, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So not only should our speech be gracious, but our speech ought to be under control. We ought to be able to think through what we say first. And then it ought to be pure speech. It ought not to have corruptness in it. Um, I was in a uh, preaching meeting a number of years ago. I was probably 25, 30 years old at the time. And a Christian fellow, a friend of mine, somebody that I respected very highly, came up to me after the preaching service and he asked me a joke. He asked me a question that I could tell was a joke and had a punchline to it. And I said, I don't know. And I, I was waiting for him to give me the punchline. And when he told me the punchline, it was an off-color joke. And I looked at him, and I didn't laugh. And he's like, don't you get it? I said, no, I got it. I said, just don't think that that was very fitting for a Christian. And he got a little offended at me. He got a little bit upset at me. But the truth is, we've got to be careful that we are uh, pure in our conversation, our words. Why? Because we are an example to people. We're to be an example of the believers in this area. And so Paul tells the church at Ephesus, he says, um, that they are not to uh, let any corrupt communication proceed out of their mouth, but they are to have communication and things coming out of their mouth that are for the use of edifying. The use of edifying. Building someone up. Encouraging somebody. Helping somebody along the way. Um, got a text this morning. I mentioned this before. I got a text this morning from uh, a friend of mine. He's a pastor up in uh, Maine. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, I think without fail, I get a text from this dear brother. And he's a good friend of mine. And he says, Brother Greg, I'm just wanting you to know I'm praying for you today. Praying that God will give you liberty to preach or praying that God will bless your services today. And it's amazing what that does for my heart on the first thing when I wake up on Sunday morning. I hear that, that ring and if I haven't woke up yet or the alarm hasn't sounded yet because sometimes he's on the East Coast, he, he does it early in the morning and wakes me up. I mean, talk about getting your day started off on the right foot, just having a word of encouragement and edification. I got a text from Brother Eddie, Eddie Oates this morning. And, uh, boy, bless his heart. He just lost his wife recently and went through the memorial service yesterday. I texted him yesterday, just let him know I loved him and was praying for him. I got a text from him this morning. Just edifying, just trying to be an encouragement. 
let me know that he was praying for us. He said, let's, let's go preach, exclamation point. And he was all excited about getting to preach this morning. Well, that did my heart good. That did my heart good. Paul told Timothy, he said, be an example to believers in word. Let it be gracious speech. Let it be kind. Let it be to the use of edifying. Let it be pure speech. We've got to be so careful of the things that we say. Once they're said, they're like uh, spilling toothpaste out of the tube. You can't put it back in. You can apologize. You can say, I want to take it back. But the truth is, the damage was done, wasn't it? We need to be an example of the believers. Now look back again in 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Let's see the second thing that he tells us about here. He says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation. And sometimes we read that because of the way we use the word conversation in modern days. And say, well, isn't that the same thing in what we say? Well, the word conversation here is an old English word. It's, we use it today, but we use it in a different way than it used to be used when this book was written. And the word conversation in this case meant their lifestyle, the way they lived their life. Their testimony, if you will, would be easily uh, used in this area. And so uh, their testimony needed to be uh, something that was to be the example of the believers. Look with me in James chapter number 3 for a moment. James chapter number 3. And uh, we're going to look in verse number 6. James chapter number 3. Uh, you know, I just got the wrong, I'm sorry, got the wrong passage. Uh, Proverbs 26, I just came from James chapter 3. Sorry about that. Looked at the wrong note. Proverbs chapter 26. And uh, let's look in verse number 20. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse number 20. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals, and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down to the innermost parts of the belly. This is dealing with a lot of our speech as well, but also our conduct outwardly. Our conduct, our heart's desire, trying to deal with some things with regard to our kindness one to another, in the way of testimonies. Look with me in Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10. Uh, we ought to have a kind spirit. We ought to have a kind spirit. Luke chapter number 10, and uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 34. Luke chapter number 10. This is part of the story of the good, what we refer to as the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, verse number 33, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him upon his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do that likewise. We're to be an example of the believers in our word. We're supposed to be an example of the believers in our conversation. There ought to be kindness about us. There ought to be uh, a uh, spirit of uh, encouragement. There ought to be a life of character 
when it comes to this thing of our testimony, our conversation. Look with me in Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1. And let's look in verse number 27. We find this word being used once again, as Paul says, "...only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ." That whether I come see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And I tell you, this is our testimony, how we live outwardly. And Paul tells Timothy, he says, I want you to be an example to believers in this area. The things that we say and the way that we live. And now as we go on to the next thing in 1 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 12. He says, uh, be an example of the believers in word and in conversation, in charity. In charity. We're to love one another. I'm not going to take time to turn there, but you can take time to read the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. The fact that we are to have charity one for another. We're to have, uh, the Bible says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and all our mind. But you know what the second greatest commandment is? He said, the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We're to have a love one for another. We're to be an example in this area. We're supposed to love one another in such a way that people can look at us and say, boy, that person sure does love people. We lost a a dear friend of mine just a few weeks ago, Brother Carl Fuentes, down in West Palm Beach, Florida. Saw a picture of him this morning. My thoughts went out to him and his family. Brother Carl Fuentes, only eternity will tell the impact he had on the number of lives that he had an impact on. He impacted my entire family, my mom, my brothers, my sisters. When we knew that he was more than likely not going to make it, every one of us kids began to to call and to text the family. And each of us shared with the family how much of a difference Brother Carl had made. Everybody referred to him as preacher down there. And uh, even though I was a pastor at the time and he was a dear friend of mine, he impacted my life because he was a man who loved people. When my dad got sick, he was the only pastor outside of our church that I knew of that contacted my mother. He said, what do you need? What can we do for you? My mom has lived as a widow for a number of years. And when I left to come up here to Missouri, and I knew I was going to be leaving, I made a trip down to West Palm one day. I visited two pastors in the state of Florida just a week or so before I left. One of them was Brother Kerry Nance over in Tampa, Florida, a dear friend of mine also. The other one was Brother Carl Fuentes. I went down to tell him that I was leaving and that I had resigned the church. And he says, is there anything I can do for you? And I said, yes, there is. I said, from time to time, could you check in on my mom for me because I'm not going to be there. And he did. Because he loves people. A number of years ago, a couple, two or three years ago, the church down there in Florida had been struggling financially and My mom was having a difficult time financially trying to pay her bills, and I was trying to help all that I could up here. Brother Fuentes found out about it. 
He went to his church, and he asked his church to take my mom on for support as a missionary, to support her, because he cared for people. When I look at Brother Fuentes, I think, Lord, help me to care for people like that, to love folks. I look at him and I say, he was an example of the believers in that area. I would wonder if it could be said of each of us that we were an example of the believers when it came to our charity, our love one for another, our love for those that are hurting, those that are in need. Paul says, I want you to be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in spirit. Turn with me to Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4. Look with me, if you will, in verse number 12. We'll back up to verse number 10 for a minute. Paul writes, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul said, I, I've been on the mountaintop and life has been good. He said, I've been in the valley, and there have been many, many burdens. And his very next statement, this is the attitude Paul had, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Can I tell you, Paul had a great spirit. Whether it was abounding or whether it was being abased, he said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You know, years ago we had a little saying in our print shop that was written above the doorway, something to the effect, and I'll try to quote it as best I can, that says we need to get our eyes off of our circumstances and put them on the one who controls them. Oftentimes our attitude is dictated because our eyes are in the wrong place. We're focusing on the wrong things. Can I tell you this? Uh, somebody wrote a song years ago, I know the master of the winds. I know the maker of the waves. He can calm the storms, make the sun shine again. I may not know all the answers to why things happen in life. I was talking with Dave a minute ago down, downstairs at the lunch table. It's hard to understand sometimes, isn't it? Brent was sharing with me that he's got a young cousin, Gwen, that's found out uh, just this week that she has a brain tuber. She's nine years old. Inoperable, they say. And now they're going in. Apparently, she's supposed to be going in this morning. They found out for her surgery. I don't know what the outcome is going to be. And oftentimes we see things like that and we don't understand. We question. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He goes on to say we're to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. Can I tell you this? While we may not always understand everything that God puts us through, we can always trust that it's for our good and it's for His glory. And one of these days when we get to heaven... We'll look at that and we'll say, Aha! Now I see. Now I understand why God did that. Until then, we need to have a good spirit. didn't matter whether he was abased or whether he was abounding. Paul said, I can do it all through Christ, 
which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Uh, you can also write down, we won't turn to it, but Proverbs chapter 25 and verse number 28, another verse to help you with the idea of having a right kind of spirit and right kind of testimony. Let's look at also in verse number 12, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 12. We're to have, uh, be an example of believers in word and conversation, in charity and spirit, and then he says this, in faith. In faith. In faith. Look with me in Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 12. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 12. Oh, I got the wrong verse. I'm sorry. Verse number 17. Add a little thing on the bottom of the 7 there. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. How in the world are we going to become an example in faith? Can I tell you this? By saturating ourselves with God's Word. Because we know God's Word to be absolute truth, irrefutable truth, infallible truth, we can have faith, absolute faith and confidence in it. It strengthens our faith. It causes us to, to be able to hold to the truth that we believe to be from God's Word and to say, I believe it, every part of it, every bit of it. There was a song years ago that was written uh, that said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And my dad got up one day in chapel and he said, you know, that's a catchy little song and the tune and all. But he said, the truth is, God said it and it doesn't matter whether I believe it or not. That still settles it. Because truth from God is always going to be the truth. Whether I hold to it, whether I believe it or not, it's still truth. We're to be an example of the believers in the area of our faith. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Then look with me also in 1 Timothy chapter number 4 and, uh, and verse number 12. Be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Now I tell you this, we're living in very, very dark, dark times in our nation. The Bible says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Used to be a day when people would get up in arms about murdering innocent babies. Now we murder innocent babies and we fine people and put them in jail for abusing animals. Can I tell you this? We live in an upside down, topsy turvy world here that has become so unpure. We've got to be careful that we keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Paul said, whatsoever things are pure, he said to think on these things. The Sol- Solomon wrote in Proverbs, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Paul, in writing to Timothy, says, Timothy, you need to be an example in these areas. Not just work on them, not just make an effort at them, but work on them in such a way that other folks can look at those things in our life and say, I want to try to emulate that. I want to try to bring glory to God the way that person brings glory to God in those areas. Can I encourage us today, as we go through this week, to look at these areas of our lives 
and say, Lord, help me to be an example of the believers. Help me to grow in these areas. Help me to become better and more of what I ought to be. So that one day when we get to heaven, we can hear Christ say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I long to please the Lord. My, my concern and my fear is I know how often I fail Him. And I hope that each and every day I take another step. And I hope the desire of your heart is that each and every day you'll take another step. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how many years you've gone to church. You may have taught Sunday school classes. You may have sung in the choir. You may have worked on bus routes. That we would strive every day to become closer to the Lord. In these areas, that we would strive every day to bring glory to Him in those areas of our lives and be able to be an example to the believers. There was a day in our church a number of years ago where you'd look around and all you saw were gray heads. God has blessed our church in recent years. We've got some younger people. They're the generation that are coming up behind us. And we need to make sure that we are setting an example for them. We're teaching them not only from God's Word, but by example in the way that we apply it to our lives. So I want to encourage us and challenge us today that we be an example of the believers. And I hope that will be helped to us this week. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed and eyes closed.